Hello and welcome. I'm your host, Eloise Clark, and you are listening to the Untick the Box podcast, the show that aims to shine a light on underrepresented voices across industries and offer honest career advice to those wishing to join them. Like what you hear? Make sure to subscribe. Now, without further ado, let's get on with the show. I am thrilled to welcome Alex Kolawale to the show today. Alex has worked in the PR and communications industry for just under a decade at various different agencies and recently started a new role as UK Commons Manager at Snap Incorporated. Before moving to Snap, he worked at APCO Worldwide, where he founded and co-led their first ever Diversity and Inclusion Council in Europe. He has received various industry accolades, including being named PR Week's 30 Under 30 in 2021 and was highly commended for PR Week Young Game Changer of the Year. He is passionate about bringing clients' visions to life through the art of storytelling and advancing the personal and professional development of the next generation of PR professionals. Alex, welcome. Thank you. It's great to be here. Well, thank you for joining us today. Uh, It's such a pleasure to have you on. Uh, As we start with kind of most of our episodes, we want to give people a little insight into kind of what you do and how you arrived as to where you are today. So it'd be great to hear about a bit more of where you grew up and kind of whether you always knew you'd kind of go into the PR industry. Yeah, definitely. Um, Where did I begin? I guess because you asked the question about where did I I grow up? Mm -hmm. First when I was just start on that and then I'll talk about kind of my journey into this industry um, and, and then take it from there. So in terms of where I grew up, um, I grew up in South London. Um, I grew up actually in Brixton, um, grew up on a council estate in Brixton, um, which taught me a lot about life, taught me a lot about individuals, taught me a lot about kind of your identity as an individual. Mm-hmm. Um, stayed there for probably around like eight years or so. Um, I then moved to um, the wonderful world of Essex um well the wonderful county of Essex um so I've been there for the last kind of probably like over 15 years or so so that is in terms of kind of where where I I used to live um in terms of uh, my background how I got into this industry um honestly I had no idea I was going to get into PR um I <laughs> never, had the same thing. <laughs> never heard of PR ever um and you know when you come from a, an African household uh, particularly a Nigerian household um, our parents only understand uh, a few professions. So is you either be an engineer, you either be a doctor, mm. or you be a scientist. That that is all that is all they knew. Um, and I wanted to be a journalist. That was the dream was to be a journalist on Sky Sports News, reporting about football, presenting, yeah. traveling the world, talking about football. Nice, nice. <laughs> so um, so I pursued that, um, and I went to journey. I studied, went to uni, studied journalism. Um, and from there, I actually came across a module called PR. And I was like, what in the world is PR? Um, I thought, okay, give this a go. Let me try it. Um, and then I started to, you know, do like all these different projects on this module. Um, and it just was really, really interesting. Um, it felt like I could use my creative side a little bit more, which is something I, I really, really like doing. And then basically from there, jumped into it, was like, wow, PR is actually really, really cool. Um, it's less pressure than being a journalist. Um, and then I, yeah, just jumped into it and, and took it from there, really. I love that. How do you find explaining PR to your family? Because for me, it's still an education piece. They still go, is it marketing? Like, how does it work exactly? Like, do they know what it is? It's a good question. I, I'm up until now, I've been doing this for, you know, just under a decade now. And my parents still have no idea what I do. Still have no idea. Whenever they ask, I'll often say the person that makes a company or an individual look good in the news uh, and they're yeah. like oh, okay um so when someone wants to do something when someone wants to protest like something really really bad 
you're that guy that makes it sound all really, really good. And I'm like, no, that's not what we do. (laughs) That's kind of the the explanation I give at the moment. Nice. So you've just mentioned that, you know, you saw the kind of module at uni and that kind of inspired you. What were the steps that really uh, that you took to then actually get into the industry properly? Yeah, definitely. So um, this is definitely my moment to give a huge shout out to an organization that got me my first um, step into PR, um, an organization called the Taylor Bennett Foundation, um, which is uh, an incredible organization that effectively tries to get people from a BAME background into the PR industry, because as I think most people know, our industry is overwhelmingly white and from a particular background. Um, so they give opportunity to people from diverse backgrounds. Um, so I found this, I was honestly at this point, I was searching for jobs. I'd had like my hundredth, like decline from a job um, and all these application forms. I just kept on sending them in, sending them in. And I was just getting declines after declines. And I was so tired one night and I was just scrolling across Twitter. And I just saw a post from the Taylor Bennett Foundation. And I thought, oh, that sounds interesting. Um, it said PR and it said BAME and I thought oh hang on a second (laughs) sounds like me let me apply and then I applied and I got onto this awesome program Um, and it was basically like a 12-week intensive course where I basically just got to learn about it was basically a crash course in PR Um, and the most amazing thing about the program is that you get to network with all these amazing kind of um, organizations and I managed to meet one guy who just kind of took a liking to me Um, and basically was like hey um, I was like, I'm looking for a job, um, help me out. And he was like, oh, I know someone that works at XYZ organization. Let me put you in touch. And literally I sent him my CV um, and he was just like, yeah, I'm just going to send it to the CEO. And I was like, you know, this like bright yeah. eyed, yeah. really young guy. And I was like, you can do that. <laughs> sent my CV to the CEO and I received an email literally like within like a few hours later just to say, hey, do you want to come in for an interview? Hmm. Came in, did an interview, um, and they managed to offer me an internship. And honestly, the rest is history. Um, I managed to perform well in the internship, and they they kept me on and basically stayed for eight years in the same yeah. company. So it was awesome. That's brilliant. I mean, yeah, big shout out to Taylor Bennett Foundation. They're a they're an organisation that we think at Milk and Honey as well do brilliant work and. For sure, getting helping to do the work that we want to see, really, which is in, you know, getting more people of diverse backgrounds into this industry. It's so important. Um, and yeah, I've, I've, I've known a lot of friends and colleagues, actually, that have gone through the program as well and, and speak very highly of it. So clearly it works. <laughs> so for anyone else looking to get in, there you go. That's a good tip there. Um, I guess. Could you talk about kind of what you're doing now? So I know you're at Snap Incorporated uh, and you've come there just recently right you started in March yeah definitely definitely so um after um spending you know the best part of probably about seven to eight years in an agency um you know I'd learned so much uh and I developed this real specialism in integrator comms so after doing that um you know I just kind of you know you get to a point where it's like oh I would love a bit of a change um and you start to think about kind of what you really want to go into and I was just scrolling across LinkedIn just one evening. Um, and I just saw, you know, a, an advert for a role of commerce manager at Snap. And I thought, is that the same as in Snapchat? Snap? Yeah. Um, and then I clicked on it and I thought, oh, wow, this is actually Snapchat. And um, for everyone that knows me, I love Snapchat as an app. <laughs> it's 
personally. Um, <laughs> so I, I really, really love Snapchat as an app. And I thought, oh, that would be actually pretty cool to actually work for that organization. Um, so I saw this this job posting and I thought, oh, gosh, I'm going to apply for that. Um, and I applied for it. Um, and I was very, very fortunate um, to, to meet all these amazing people throughout the interview process. And they offered me a role. And I've been there since um, since earlier this year in March 2022. Um, and at the moment, my role is just responsible for kind of comms um, from a from a UK perspective at Snap, working closely with a head of comms and as part of a wider kind of um, team of, of global comms guys. So we, we do everything you can imagine um, at Snap in terms of super cool partnerships, um, all the awesome things you see on Snap. Um, we've probably been behind it in one shape or another. Um, and it's just cool to work for a, a fast growing tech company, to be honest with you. Um, so yeah, that's 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 kind of a bit about my role at Snap. Yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, I, I've seen some of the cool campaigns they do. Is there anything that you've had a chance to work on at the moment that you're kind of super proud of? I know it's quite early days, but yeah. <laughs> the super early days. Um, do you know what? Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything specific that I've worked on. Um, not at the moment. And um, there's a lot of cool stuff coming up is one thing mm. I would tell you free um (laughs) about um a campaign which i really really loved about snap so um it was for black history month um they ran a campaign called um hidden stories yeah i have heard of that yeah 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 so i in preparation for my interview at snap i was googling okay you know before every interview you have to google kind of what's been said yeah i saw this hidden stories thing come up and i thought oh wow that's pretty cool um, and basically what this Hidden Stories campaign is, is for Black History Month, um, there's a lot of hidden history about um, super um, notable Black people um, who have had an impact on the UK. Um, and um, I'm probably not doing this justice explaining it, um, but the the summary of the campaign was in Trafalgar Square, um, basically you could open up the Snapchat camera, scan a QR code, we call them Snap Codes, and what would then basically happen is that as you point to the camera at the National Portrait Gallery in Trafalgar Square, a statue of Nelson Mandela would basically would basically show. Um, and what was amazing is that if your camera isn't there, you can't see the statue. But thanks to, you know, Snap's AR tech, you can actually see the statue come up. And it was just quite a nice story because it is, you know, celebrating kind of a, a hidden story of a very um, inspirational Black individual. Um, and it, it just got huge traction and it's just an example of just kind of seeing how tech can, you know, mm. basically open our eyes to new things about the world, which we just previously just had never, ever discovered. Yeah, I actually spoke to a colleague of yours recently, Shiraz Gilsha, who actually did mention that as well. And it is an amazing campaign because, yeah, it's just I mean, one thing that came out, I think, over the pandemic and everything that happened um, with George Floyd was just that you know, there is a lack of education in our UK system, right, in terms of black history and, and even other history as well. Um, and, you know, doing a campaign like that, I think is so important. And even for myself, who's mixed race, I've everything that I've kind of learned about black history, I've kind of had to teach myself. It's not something that was naturally kind of ingrained into me. So it's, yeah, right. I think campaigns like that are so important. And, and I, yeah, I, I shout out to that as well. It's just a, a great thing. Um, so I guess more, more of your other highlights then, because I know you're just new at Snapchat. What about um, kind of earlier on in your career, anything that you've, you're really proud of and that you'd want to shout about? 
Yeah, definitely. Um, do you know what? This isn't about a particular client project or campaign, but I think um, I am, <laughs> it sounds quite cheesy, but I'm quite proud um, of my ability just to be able to persevere in this mm-hmm. industry. Yeah. Because um, honestly, when I first started in this industry, I had the biggest self-imposter syndrome you could ever, ever imagine. Mm. Like, it was so intense to the point where before I would go into work, um, I would literally have to take probably five minutes just to walk around the block, just to psych myself to walk into the building. Um, just because, you know, you kind of look at your background and you think, oh man, I'm not, I'm not really worthy of being here. Or everyone else in here just seems really, really like super, super smart and everyone's smarter than me. And the funny thing, obviously you get in the building, you start to work with people and you actually realize a lot of people don't, don't really actually know what they're doing and everyone's kind of winging it most of the time um in a it's nice way, though, right just generally I, being an adult I, <laughs> you're winging I, it half the time just trying <laughs> um, so i think you know my ab- ability to, to persevere in this industry is definitely um something that i'm super super proud of um and i think you know another thing i would say i'm proud of is um when i worked at apco worldwide um you know you touched on it earlier but the following the the murder of of george floyd um we, you know, it kind of spots a lot of, mm-hmm. hey, as a company, what are we doing about this? Um, and, we you know, when I was in Napco Worldwide, I had this amazing conversation with our CEO. And I was just super honest, super, super transparent, just in terms of my lived experiences, um, my what I'm still currently living through today. Uh, because if you, if you look at me, I fit every single stereotype of a of a black individual right um so we had this conversation um and i said hey look we need to do more to get you know more people from representative backgrounds into this industry um and from there we basically you know all put heads together we gathered a bunch of people from different offices across apco and we pulled together this group called the europe diversity inclusion council um and i was one of the co-leads of that and as part of that program, we set up um, a program called the Black Heritage Scheme, which is basically this awesome scheme that's super targeted at uh, basically Black people. Um, and it was basically you could get a role in APCO for six months and you didn't need a CV to do it. It was just answer a bunch of questions, would give you a role for six months, and then that was it. And we basically set this thing up um, and it's been super, super successful. When I speak to old colleagues, they're like, yeah, this is awesome. And the amazing thing about it is that if they perform well, we basically keep them on. Um, and there's a lot of encouragement and support for them to perform well. So I'm super proud that I, I feel like I did my good in the world um, <laughs> setting that up. Um, so that's one. those are two of my proud moments. Yeah, no, I mean, that's brilliant. I was going to touch on that. So I'm, I'm glad you brought it up <laughs> because it is a brilliant uh, program. And how many people do you know that they've gone through it yet uh, or since it started? So I don't have the exact figures, but when I was there, um, we literally just kicked it off. Um, mm-hmm. and we had two people in London, but there was plans for it to expand into other offices as well. Yeah. Um, so I don't have the exact figures, but honestly, the, the two individuals we brought into this program, what I loved was, you know, I'd be going around just asking questions of different colleagues, like, hey, hey, how is this person doing? Hey, how is she doing? And everyone's just like, they're incredible. They're amazing. <laughs> you know, I'm sat there like, yeah, I know there's super, super talented people from diverse backgrounds that exist, believe it or not. Um, and the amazing thing is that a lot of those individuals, you know, those two individuals actually ended up getting a role in APCO. Um, and, you know, their lives have probably just changed forever, you know. 
yeah um, so just just it's just so amazing and rewarding to see yeah that's amazing I'm glad I'm glad they're still still there <laughs> you touched on um kind of the inner demons maybe that you had and like some of the challenges that you might have faced uh but I just wondered if there was anything aside from that 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 you know any barriers you might have faced or yeah kind of any challenges along the way and what advice would you give to others trying to get into this industry yeah definitely definitely the first thing I would say is first of all it's an awesome industry to be Mm -hmm. in um I think you often hear of people saying that oh you know I work in a job where no two days are the same and literally in PR and I'm sure you know like you can be it just changes every single day. You, you, yeah. you don't even have as much control over your day as you wish you did. <laughs> um, just because it's just, it just changes so much. So literally no two days are the same. It's it's a super dynamic industry. And um, it's all about um, using kind of your creative mind to come up with solutions. So that's, that's the first thing I'll say for anyone that wants to get into PR. The second thing I'll say is that, you know, I would be very honest in terms of the fact that for any industry I think it just applies across the board for you to succeed there's something you just really really need to focus on which is self-confidence um and it's easier said than done but it's almost kind of you almost winging it and putting yourselves in situations that might give you butterflies or putting yourself in a situation where you're like oh man I don't really think I don't think I'm good enough or that person is smarter than me so they deserve it putting yourselves in this position and just failing a little bit and being like do you know what I didn't do that too well and I failed, but actually I've learned from it and I'm better. Um, so one of the things about me is that I'm absolutely just not afraid to fail. I'm not afraid to make a mistake because um, if I make a mistake, the one thing about me is that I'm a very, very, I, I like to think I'm a quick learner. So I'll learn and I'll make sure I improve and not make the mistake again. So my piece of advice would be just, you know, be super, super confident in who you are as an individual. Um, and also just don't be afraid to fail because people are failing every single day in their jobs and I think we can flip the notion of failure into actually not failing and just stopping but actually failing and being like you know what yeah that was a flop but actually I'm going to continue and I'm going to do better so that's that's the advice I would give to people. Yeah I mean it's like fake it until you make it but that 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 saying is cliche for a reason because you kind of give yourself that confidence right to 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 try new things and and be confident I suppose to say to say again but um yeah I mean you mentioned that you kind of walked walked around the block a couple of times when you were starting out in your career uh do you do anything I mean I don't know if you're doing that before work every day now but is there anything that you do I don't know ahead of a pitch or something that would usually give you nerves uh that you kind of do to try and like big yourself up even if it's listening to like a song sometimes I listen to like some pump up music to get me in the mood yeah yeah no it's it's good um so um for I think for a lot of people that know me I I really really I love hip-hop um and also sometimes I might listen to trap music um because it's just very very hyped um it is people speaking about a life or rapping about a life that I just have no idea about but it just makes me just you know, think quite, quite broadly. Right. Um, so I might, you know, I might, I, I go to music quite a lot. Um, but also I think I've, I've started to, this sounds quite nerdy, but I watch a lot of Ted talks in terms of actually self-confidence presenting. Um, and 
they've changed my perspective on so many things. So one thing now is sounds so cliche, but the power of positive thinking is so, so, so important. I can't emphasize it enough. So, you know, people always talk about looking at the glass half full instead of half empty. Um, and I think being able to look at things half full is, um, is, is such an important skill and it's such an important perspective to have because you can, the bad things for some reason just stick around. We do so many good things throughout our day, but then as soon as we do one bad thing in our day, we're like, oh man, that's really annoying. And it just stays. Even when you've done a good thing after, it just stays. And you're just like, that's really annoying. But if you can actually just flip that to be like, actually, yes, that was bad, but actually I did all these amazing things in this day. Um, being able to just focus on that good stuff instead um, can change your outlook so much. So I, I try to practice that as much as possible. Um, it's obviously easier said than done, but I really, really try to practice that where possible just because the power of positive thinking is is really, really underrated. 100%. I think it's always when you need it most, I think you're less likely to do it as well because it's easy to get yourself into that that negative headspace and then not want to leave it. But yeah. it's true when someone's been like, okay, no, but... Or I might be complaining to someone or having a rant, as, as, as you do sometimes. But someone will go, yeah, but actually you did this or, or you've done this this week. And actually reflecting a little bit really does help to go, oh, wait, I actually smashed it this week <laughs> rather than focusing on those little things but it's it's the same old story isn't it I mean where if you were to get a negative comment on social media people pinpoint that one even if you had like a thousand nice ones but for sure the power of positive thinking I completely agree with you has got yeah got a huge legs so I want to go back to something you mentioned earlier in terms of uh, your career highlights and the work you did with APCO in terms of the Diversity and Inclusion Council. Um, so as some, as a black person as you are, and, and you were helping those uh, black people to get in, um, what do you think could make the biggest difference for black people, but also people of colour, people of minority, ethnic backgrounds to come into the PR industry? Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, it's a really good question. Um, I think, you know, first of all, the PR industry has a massive perception problem. Um, so the funny thing is that the PR industry has very, very yeah. bad PR, <laughs> right? I think PR industry is still very much seen as an industry that's only for people from a certain social demographic. Um, it's still seen as, you know, only people who are highly educated can get into this industry. And it's still seen a bit of like a, a club. Um, it's still seen a bit of like an exclusive club. Um, so I think, first of all, the perception thing, I think, is on everyone in the industry to try to change that a little bit. Um, and I think um, the the onus shouldn't be on, you know, the people from diverse backgrounds oh, in yeah. the industry to, to try to help, you know, help the PR industry have a better reputation, right? So I think, first of all, just not almost putting the burden on people from yeah. diverse backgrounds just because they're already facing their own almost like not demons but their own kind of uh their own challenges in terms of trying to navigate this industry so that's that's the the first thing i would say i think in terms of what can be done um i think honestly this might sound a little bit crazy but i think honestly positively discriminating um to ensure that we're being super, super targeted about the sort of people we're trying to attract into this industry. So when I say positive, positive discrimination, you know, people might think, oh, that sounds really, really negative. But actually, 
how can you be how if you look at the makeup of your organization right and you realize it's only of a certain demographic certain social status right we have to be proactive about actually attracting people who do not look like us like we just have to be super targeted so to get very specific it is do you know what rather than always trying to hire people from x institution from a russell group uni we might actually hire an indiv- we might do like a targeted kind of outreach in a local uni for example in london right and it's been super super targeted with that i think that goes a really long way so i'll tell you, you know the power of being able to positively dis- discriminate in a way and i think secondly you know this we just have to hold people just super mm-hmm. accountable yeah. to this we've been talking about this right. for so long for so so long and the funny thing is that it's peaks and troughs right so there's a moment where it's like yeah that diversity is the end thing let's do more of it and then all of a sudden everyone forgets it and it's like oh yeah it's done and then all of a sudden it's like yeah oh it's back up again let's let's talk more about diversity and that peaks and troughs it's just kind of like that's been Mm. happening for years and there are so many excuses people have been rolling out for years but actually let's start to put some structures in place that hold people accountable to ensuring that you know their teams are actually super super diverse so whether that is performance related targets around you know diversity whether that is um in interviews you know let's let's you know set you know proper interview guides in terms of actually making sure people are not sitting in interviews and saying actually that person reminds me of myself i'm gonna hire him or her but actually have a clear you know a diverse panel of interviews for example or a structure that has been reviewed from external consultants yeah. that removes all the biases that you guys might have um, so that's what i say. I, I can talk about this for, for hours <laughs> but i'm gonna stop it so no but it's a really say. important topic and i think it'd be interesting to trial more like blind cvs that kind of thing i think those type of uh, initiatives are really important but then as you say it obviously it is important to get that at the interview stage too because you can't necessarily control your subconscious biases so having that diverse panel as you mentioned is, is, is i think are really crucial there and yeah also tapping into that wider talent pool as you mentioned I mean, I personally didn't go to a Russell Group uni and I was kind of arriving uh, like early on in my career and being uh, amongst kind of Oxbridge candidates, which is not a problem, by the way. Shout out to you if you've managed to get to Oxbridge, but (laughs) could never be me. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I mean, I was just kind of like, well, actually, especially when you, you do come in and go, you know, am I in the right place? But actually, if I've managed to get a job here too, everyone should everyone who's been given a job it deserves to be there and I think it it kind of goes back to that imposter syndrome right really trying to by getting more people that look like you 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 remove that for people and remove those barriers that people might feel in terms of being in a room with no one that they relate with uh but yeah and, and we all know I mean it's been proven so many times it increases diversity of thought diversity of of the work like it's better for our clients I mean I think most people now would agree that it is it's only a positive thing um which it is <laughs> yeah yeah that's the thing if i just jump in very quickly that's the thing it's it's very good for us to agree you know this is a very positive thing but actually how are we yeah. being proactive about this because I think everyone's like yeah yeah we should do it we should have more diverse candidates you know we should do this we should do that um but actually you know the, the need for action is just so so important now and i think one of the reasons I'm so passionate about it, because I remember when I got in the industry, I was often only 
the black guy in a client pitch or the black person in a in a in a staff meeting or in a conference room and it was always these business meetings I was always the only mm. one that looked like me um, and I remember you know the first time I saw another black person in my company I was like yo kind of thing and you know you kind of do that like <laughs> we call like you, you know, know what that, I was about to say <laughs> That, everyone knows about that nod you know like hey man like good on you you're here too like yes we're carrying this together sort of thing so that nod of approval you know you start to do that and it's like the, the difference it made for me in terms of you know what there's someone else here that's going through this and we can relate with each other which is now i'm like okay i feel like i've i'm now in this position i'm, I'm quite fortunate to be in this position just to just let everyone else you know know that hey look it's you also can, you know, um, flourish in this industry um, if you want to. So I think that's why I'm super, super passionate about it, just because of my lived experience. For sure. I mean, this goes back to kind of the reason why we're doing this podcast really is is that we want to show more people that there are people from loads of different backgrounds that are actually here, but also in other industries too. We hopefully will kind of branch out a bit more. But uh, yeah, I mean, definitely it's increasing that visibility because it always goes back to, like representation is key, right? You know, now we're seeing in like Disney films, even something like that, seeing um, yourself reflected in characters that years ago might not have been the case. I mean, for me personally, I remember going to Disney parties or whatever, and it was like, who the hell do I dress as? Like there was no one. Um, but now there are, you know, with Encanto and stuff like that, it's it's nice to see that uh, changing. And I don't think... I don't know about you, but for me, I didn't realize how much it I needed to see it until it was there. And I was like, oh, wow, like this is actually important. <laughs> and and it's impacted me yeah. more than I thought it was going to kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. With you on that, with you on that. And huge shout out to you guys on this podcast, honestly. <laughs> Thank <huge>. you. <laughs> um, well, now I kind of want to go into where else you'd kind of see yourself? So, I mean, you've only just started it, Snap, so I'm not talking about you're planning on any career moves anytime soon, but uh, you mentioned that you potentially used to want to be a journalist. So if there were any other careers other than your own, what what do you reckon you'd like to try? <laughs> oh, a very good question. Honestly, I'm quite, um, I'm quite a random individual and just random thoughts come to my mind, but um, I would love to like be a pilot one day. Nice. Like super, super <laughs> random, but the idea of just exploring the world. Um, I'm also a bit of an aviation geek nice. as well. Um, I would love, you know, just to be a pilot one day. Um, and I think if it's not if it's not um, being a pilot, um, I would definitely. Um, I would love to do something very kind of community mm-hmm. driven, um, something that involves just me just like going into the community and just having some sort of impact. Um, I don't know what that spe- what that specifically is, um, but I think you know if I wasn't doing PR, I would definitely just be in a community, just doing something um, that hopefully just helps people just to see a different perspective, particularly um, young people, because I think um, it it literally takes a second, or you can say one mm-hmm. thing, to an individual and change the trajectory of their life, and I think the power to do that in a community um is 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 uh is is underestimated so i think um you know just after just like living through these experiences just when i was younger like i mentioned at the start of this podcast you know living in the council estate you see you see all sorts right and i think um 
just think if some of those individuals had someone just say, hey, look, you know, you can try something else, the trajectory of their life just changes. And that change, we're talking about something that you do in a moment that can impact someone's life over like the next 50 years. So yeah, that's, that's what I do, either a pilot or something in the community. I think that's so important. And I think the power of mentoring, again, comes into that, doesn't it? It's, it's like, you know, you speak about young kids or, or, or children that have not really had that kind of either parenting or, or mentorship in their life that's, that's kind of um, impacted where they've gone. Did you have any kind of clear mentors in your life that, that you'd kind of resonated with and that impacted your life to where you are yeah definitely um i think mentors are super important um so i have you know what i like to call official mentors and unofficial mentors so Mm -hmm. with unofficial mentors these are particularly inspirational individuals um who just by nature of kind of how they carry themselves um the success of their careers the impacts they've made on those around them um i learn from their stories so one of the things I do a lot of is just read the autobiography of just like very successful individuals, just just understand how mm-hmm. they operate. Um, mm-hmm. And then I have official mentors, whether that's in career, whether that is in just um, just in, in in life in general. Um, I yeah. have official mentors, um, and they they've been you know um, super super inspirational and so invaluable um, for me. Um, I've had moments in my career where I've just thought, you know, what am I really worthy of this or am I good enough for this and just an email from a mentor or a quick whatsapp conversation or a quick call um just changes your perspective on things so um, yeah I've, I've got a, I've got a few mentors and then I will encourage everyone not it doesn't have to be super formal but um yeah mentors are just uh, are, are super valuable just because experience is the best teacher if someone can tell you that they've been through it mm. um, and this is how they did it just so you don't have to go for it then why not take advantage of that yeah a hundred percent a hundred percent um all right well before we close off i'd love to know kind of if you if your friends were to give you an award what would it be for and then finally what would you like your legacy to be Wow. So <laughs> some big questions. <laughs> you saved the two most difficult questions for you. Um, if my friends were to give me an award, what would it be for? Um, I think my friends would give me an award for being the calmest guy you've ever met. Um, that's, that's a great trait to have. <laughs> it sounds so crazy, but um, I think it feels like for some reason, not that I have no emotions, I'm some like, you know, some some, uh, some emotionless um, human, because that's not true. Um, mm. But I think um, I, I try to stay calm in every situation I find myself in. So um, you can find, you know, I could, everyone else around me can be freaking out about a particular project or a particular thing. And honestly, I just try to stay calm. So they'll probably give me an award for being the calmest guy I've ever, <laughs> ever met. Um, which is good and bad because sometimes I just don't get surprised by anything. I was going to say, has that ever been to your detriment or no? (laughs) Yes, it has. has. um, It's quite funny. I will sometimes, it sounds like, (laughs) it sounds funny, but I could be in a conversation with someone telling me about something they're super, super excited about. Um, And they could be like, and you won't believe what happened. Um, And then they tell me what happened and I've literally just sat there, super straight faced. (laughs) Just like, 
oh and they're like are you okay like, yeah i'm just i'm just not surprised by this <laughs> um, but that is sometimes to my question i don't know what it is i think god gave me too many calm um <laughs> calm genes and in terms of my legacy um gosh that's such a big question but I think I am super, super motivated by, by making an impact wherever I find myself, uh, whether that is, you know, people being able to turn around and positively say, oh, thanks to Alex, you know, we now do things this way. Mm-hmm. Or I remember that thing that Alex did that, you know, that um, changed the way we think about something. So mm-hmm. I'm super motivated by impact. I think, honestly... I'm not too I'm not too like focused on legacy, but I think I'm very, very driven by purpose. Yeah. So I think, you know, whatever I put my hand to do, um, it's just to make sure that it's it's very, very purpose driven and mm-hmm. I leave a positive experience with, you know, with with anything I put my hand to do really. Um and I think, you know, I, I'm just super motivated by by purpose. Um and then hopefully people just turn around one day and just say, you know, Alex was a a really good guy um, that helped us change our way of thinking and added a bit more and added a bit more positivity, really. Um, yeah, well, that's, that's what I'd say. Well, that, well, that's a lovely way to end things, I think. <laughs> so, thank <laughs> you so much for your time today. I mean, is there anything else you'd like to say before before we close off and say goodbye today? No, just a massive thank you to you guys for this opportunity. It's been awesome, and and I've loved having this conversation with with you guys. So, um, yeah, thanks for reaching out and. I look forward to, uh, to definitely keeping in touch with you guys and um, seeing the huge success of this podcast. Um, big <laughs> <shout>. <laughs> yeah, here's hoping. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you for your time today. Bye. Take care. That's it. That's the show. If you're still listening, thank you. We hope you enjoyed it and found something useful that can help you on your career journey. We appreciate any feedback or thoughts you might have. So if you want to get in touch, please email us on untickthebox at milkandhoneypr.com or reach out via any of Milk and Honey's social media channels. See you next time on Untick the Box.